Hello, friends, and welcome to Beauty the Interviews, a podcast production of The Beautiful Project, a storytelling collective that invites women to be and do and live and love in their bodies, creating a world where we belong with substance and with strength. I'm Sarah Stevens, your host for this podcast and the founder of The Beautiful Project. Today, we are sitting down across the microphone from another survivor in this survivor series. Today, our interview is with Amanda. Amanda is a survivor of birth trauma. You know, birth trauma is something that we don't spend a lot of time talking about. We like to create really idyllic stories um, about the moment when we are able to bring children into the world. And the truth is that for many women, the story was anything but idyllic. And so this story is important because it gives voice to those to those um, places of friction in these fairy tale stories that we believe should be the way that our body will function uh, in those experiences. Amanda helps shed some light on the, the reality that we can do everything, quote, right, unquote, and still end up with an outcome that we didn't intend, that we would never want for ourselves or for our baby. Amanda also shares with us the ways in which she found the space to heal from this birth trauma, probably an experience that's still an ongoing reality for her, Um, but she is honest and open, and Amanda is maybe one of the most tender and emotionally accessible people I've ever met, so she's just a real gift to me and to us. So let's drop in and hear from Amanda. This is my friend Amanda, and Amanda and I are... um, we have this beautiful, unexpected friendship. Um, I was friends first with her husband. Uh, we share some co-working space together. Another unexpected friendship for me. Um, and then he kept telling me as this wonderful, kind, um, deeply emotive, <laughs> weepy wife. He calls her. He calls her a crying ambassador because um, her access to her tears. Uh, invites other people to cry, and I've seen it in real life. It's a true thing. So um, Amanda, I'm very familiar with Amanda's story um, uh, that, I'm, that she'll share with us today, but I'm just excited that she said yes and grateful for her willingness. So welcome and thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start the way I start with every uh, interview. Tell me what you think it means to be a survivor. I think for me, it means that I'm still here Mm -hmm. and that I might be different. Mm -hmm. I am different, but um, I'm still me. And I'm still here. And I'm still here. Yeah. That's awesome. Guys, um, you can't see it, but I'm going to give her some paper towels because she is... I did not come prepared. She's not prepared with any sort of like moisture wicking from her face. Um, So uh, that is a great definition of what it means to be a survivor. I'm still here. Um, So share, let's let's open up by just sharing with the audience uh, what it is that you've survived. I um, have survived birth trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, my son was born, and I suffered a fourth degree tear, mm-hmm. um, which basically tears all the bits that mm-hmm. possibly could be torn. I suppose in the birthing process, 
um, which was very unexpected for me. I yeah, back us up um, and tell us the birth story, like so, like the pregnancy, birth. Give us all that stuff. I um, we didn't plan on getting pregnant. We weren't opposed to it, but we just were not trying, and it just wonderfully happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially, I was we were both frightened slash somewhat excited. It was kind of like a oh crap, what do we do now? Because yeah, we're because we're having a baby, I yeah. guess. You know, this yeah. is happening, and um, my pregnancy was like really easy. I did have a little morning sickness, but I wasn't like throwing up all the time and I was like still able to function mm-hmm. still went to work like it's just oh I guess I have a baby growing inside me now and <laughs> I loved being pregnant um what'd you love about it I loved how I felt actually I felt like my body I felt like my body was like this, this is like the hormonal balance. This is like what I'm supposed to be like mm. all the time. Mm. Like I feel like it righted my hormones because when I was, I think the, I can't remember when the first time I went to a gynecologist was, but my very first appointment, I told, I told her, I said, I have irregular periods. I could go months without having one. Um, I have acne that just doesn't go away and all this stuff. And she's like, you have PCOS. Mm-hmm. And um, and she's like, and it could make it hard for you to get pregnant. It might not. It, mm-hmm. That's probably why you have acne. Your hormones are just out of whack. Put you on birth control. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have your... It'll like basically trick your body into thinking that you're pregnant so that like your hormones will be more right and you'll have your period. And so I feel like then once I went off birth control and had been off birth control for a couple of years, it was like my body still remembered that, but mm-hmm. it was like this next level of like, oh, like my body was like this is like, I like didn't have any acne ever. Like I was just, mm-hmm. everybody was like, you have this pregnancy glow. And I'm like, I think it's because my body's like, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Like, this is how I should be all the time. Oh, so you felt a real sense of homecoming in and ease in this yeah. pregnancy. So it, yeah. And it was like, I, and I, it was to the point where I'm like, even, and I was never afraid of birth. So it wasn't like, like I have a friend who got pregnant around the same time and she was kind of like, yeah, I'm pregnant shit, now I have to have this baby. Mm-hmm. I don't like that part. Mm-hmm. But but being pre- but I'm pregnant, but I have to like this baby. And it was kind of like, I almost, I think I was more afraid of birth before I got pregnant. And I don't know if something in my mind was just like, got to do it. Right. So like, why be afraid of it? This is just a thing that's got to happen now. Like right. if it, I don't know if I just went more practical. Yeah. And so it was like I had a and I had a pretty easy pregnancy. I liked all of the things and the bump and it was fun and all the little baby flutters and kicks and mm-hmm. the things that in the moment now that I think back that I'm like, can you not be like kicking on all of my ribs and stuff that were like, this is so uncomfortable, but 
in hindsight now is like, oh, it was so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. That's like all of parenting, FYI. Every time you look back at a phase before, you're like, never mind. It wasn't so bad then. Yeah. It's like, that was great. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm pulling my hair out. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. And I was really into like reading a lot of stuff. Like I really was like, what's going on in my body? Like, mm-hmm. how's my body changing? Mm-hmm. Um, we took a, actually my oldest sister-in-law is a, is a childbirth educator. Mm -hmm. And so we took her birth, childbirth class, um, which is definitely more geared for people who, um, want a Mm non-medicated birth, low, little intervention Mm -hmm. birth. So, and my whole thing, like the whole time I was like, my... Like, my body was made to do this. Like, I can do this. Like, this is, like, I have faith and I have trust in my body that, like, it's, like, helped create this baby. It's created an environment for this baby to thrive. Like, I I know that, like, this is just part of it. Like, this baby's in on mm-hmm. the inside. It has to be on the outside. Like, this That's is just going to, like, my body knows what it's doing. And so I went into labor three weeks before my due date. So I labored at home for as long as I felt like I could. And actually my older sister-in-law, Adrian was one of, um, my doulas. Mm -hmm. So I texted her about six and was like, FYI, like in labor. Um, she'd had, she'd had a baby, um, in October. So she had a three month old at the time. And so she was going to be one of my doulas. And then um, her best friend, um, Sarah, who's also a midwife, was going to, they were going to tag team because Sarah was going to wait in the waiting room with my sister in law's son. And then once he needed to breastfeed, then they'd swap out. Mm, and then mm-hmm. once she was done, then come back and all that. So um, at a little before noon, um, probably like 1130-ish, um, Adrian was like, I think we probably should think about going to the hospital, like, pretty soon. And my whole goal was I want to labor as long as I can at home, mm-hmm. because I don't want to give any, like, the doctors, the nurses, anybody any reason to be like, we should break your water, you're taking mm-hmm. too long, like, all this stuff. So, um... We got to the hospital at like 12.30, I think, and um, everything was going great. We get up to the labor and delivery, and I'm in triage for three hours. That's unpleasant. Which wasn't ideal because I'm like, I just, like my whole, the whole time I was like, I just want the big tub room. Mm-hmm. Just give me the big tub room. Mm-hmm. I just want to get in the big tub. And I think in my mind, I was like, I know it's not going to solve all my problems. Like this baby does actually have to exit my body, but like there was like, there's something comforting to me about water. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if I can just get in the tub, like, I know everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so we got, the first time the nurse checked me in triage, I was like four, four and a half. And she was like, because you're 37 weeks, 
we can't augment your labor at all, um, which I was like actually really happy about because I didn't want that anyway. And um, she strapped the monitors on me and she said, okay, well, we'll, I'll come back and check on you in like an hour and we'll see if you've progressed mm -hmm. and how much you've progressed or whatever. So she like leaves us to our own devices in there and, um, she comes back and she's like, oh, you're like, I think I was like a five, maybe mm -hmm. about a five. She's like, all right, we'll let you labor a little bit without him on. Mm -hmm. Comes back in like another hour later. Uh, still not far enough along. So the third time she checked me, I think I was like a six or a six and a half. And she was like, okay, you're like actually progressing, progressing. enough mm -hmm. to be like, oh, you are in labor. Which I wanted to be like, I know I'm in labor. Like, I know I've never had a baby before. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what's happening in my body. And I know the signs that I've had and, like, that this thing's happening. So we get to the, we get to our labor and delivery room, which is actually the room. We were at the hospital, like, a week before. Like, I was there to have Ellis and to do the hospital tour. Mm -hmm. To be like, this is, because... I'm like, that's a good idea. We probably should, like, know where to go. Sure. And, like, what to do. Mm -hmm. And we got the same labor and delivery room that they, like, showed us. Which oh, I'm like, cool. cool. Like, been here? Yeah. Know the layout? <laughs> like, know the, how this goes? And um, I labored in the tub for a while. I got out once I was, like, I think I'm starting to feel a little pushy. Mm -hmm. And um, my sister-in-law was, like, well, do you want the doctor? We can see if the doctor can come check you. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, are you going to be disappointed if you're, like, only a seven or, like, an eight? Or or do you want to know? Like, mm -hmm. so finally I was like, I just want to know. Because I'm feeling, like, pushy. Feeling pushy. Mm -hmm. Feeling like I'm getting close. And, of course, I have zero experience to go on, so I'm in, I'm just like, I feel like this is push, this is, I just feel like this is what I, it pushing. is feel like. Yeah. That's supposed to feel like. So, they track the doctor down, which is, um, the doctor on call that I'd never met. Mm -hmm. And he'd come up, he'd come in one time when I was, like, in the tub, in the middle of a contraction with his assistant and was kind of like, oh, I guess this is, like, a bad time to introduce mm -hmm. myself. We'll just come back. Um, he was really great actually because he wasn't very comfortable with, um, I could, I could tell he wasn't very comfortable with me, um, not wanting to be in the bed, mm -hmm. but he was very much like, that's okay. Like you do your thing. Mm -hmm. Like we'll work around we'll it. it. We'll out. figure it out. Yeah. Um, because he was like, okay, I hear you, like you, you want to be checked or whatever, like go ahead and get in the bed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm mm -hmm. just not doing that. Mm -hmm. So he's like, well, I guess I can try to check you. I was like leaning over the hospital bed or he's like, I guess I can check you. He's like, I think you're like about an eight. And I'm thinking in my head, I don't know if I'm about an eight cause I'm feeling pretty pushy, mm -hmm. but I do think I wasn't transition at that point because I do remember a point in my mind being like oh my gosh like 
not like I think I'm gonna die, mm-hmm. but like this is just so intense. Like I don't know, it was almost like these like physical and emotional like responses all in one. Yeah, of like intense. Just, like I just remember like being on the bed on all fours, like just like crying, being like I not even like I don't like this because duh, I mean mm-hmm. it's really uncomfortable and not great, but like yeah, just the like. I don't know if I can or want to do this. Yeah, it's like, and I'd gotten to that point with no drugs, and I was like, I can do this. Because in my mind, I kept thinking, I don't know how bad this is going to actually get, like how much it's going to hurt. I know it's going to, but like, I can handle this. Mm -hmm. I can do this. Like, right now, like, I can manage it. Like, Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was like, I don't know, but I'm, like, at the point of no return. So I guess I just have to figure out my way through it. And um, started pushing. I pushed for maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Nobody really knows because it was never... I actually obtained my medical records afterwards um, because of the drugs from tearing and all of that and the repair. Because my memory is kind of weird. And it was never, like, documented when I started pushing. So I don't know, and it's kind of a guesstimate that we've put together of, Mm -hmm. like, the people in the room, my doulas, and then Brandon. But um, I was, like, doing great. I was pushing, and the ring of fire is a real thing that I never, like, I would heard about it and was like, oh, oh. Oh, that. Yeah, it feels like it's legitimately on that, fire. That, yeah. yeah. And I remember, like, I pushed, and it was, like, exciting because I feel like I was excited to push because I was, like, it could be any time. Yeah. Like, any one of these pushes, like... I can meet my boy. I could have a baby. Yeah. And I... But it was, like, I, as soon as the head was right there and it was, like, burning, I was, like, nope, not doing that. He's staying in. So, like, I would push, and they'd be like, mm, 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 don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so then I'd, like, wait, and the next contraction would come. And then eventually it was, like, it was, like, this nice, slow process of eventually it was, like, um, Sarah, the midwife, who wasn't my midwife, um, like, for the birth, but was there, and she was, like, because it was nice because the doctor wasn't in there the whole time. Mm-hmm. The doctor came in and was like, oh, this is going to be a while. He saw me pushing, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go check on some other laboring mamas. So it was nice that she was in there and, like, the nurse was there. But at one point she was like, I can see the head and, like, it's staying out. So, like, this is a really good sign. Like, you're really close. And at that point I was kind of like, I can push. Like, it wasn't burning anymore. I was, like, beyond that point. hmm and I'm like, this is great. This whole, like, I, like, learned and read, like, this, like, slow process of, like, pushing, easing up, pushing, easing up, like, yep. help to stretch things out. I'm like, this is going to go beautifully. It's like exactly how I imagined. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. Like, my body, like, in this, mo- in that moment, I wasn't, like, mm-hmm. thinking anything like that. I was just, like, in the zone. But... In hindsight, I was like, that was, like, exactly what should have been happening. Like, Mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. And then um, once his head was out, I was like, oh, this is, like, 
I got like one more push, probably one or two, and then this is a done deal. And I pushed, and he was born, and we didn't know the gender of our baby, so we, um, I pushed. I immediately, I fell like over to the side, and like Sarah caught me, and it wasn't like a, I can't physically stand, it was just like the relief, yeah. and the like release of it all, of mm-hmm. like, did it, like done Mm -hmm. and um I was really glad too because the doctor didn't say like it's a boy like like everyone was like look look Mm. like and so I was like sobbing of course as I do Mm -hmm. I'm like it's a boy and so then the doctor's like but we like really need to get you like on the bed Mm -hmm. so I like have to get on like all fours on the bed Meanwhile, Brandon's, like, Brandon was behind me as I was, like, squatting to push. Mm -hmm. So, like, over the side of the bed. So, like, he'd been pretty much behind me the whole time. He, like, went around to the other side of the bed. So, the doctor could pass Ellis through my legs, through my arms, up to Brandon. Yeah. So, then I could, like, roll over and Mm -hmm. um, lay on my back. And And at that point, I knew something was up. Like, I, I just instinctively was like, I know you bleed when you have a baby, but, like... That seems like a lot. That just seems like a little bit much, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um... Yeah, it, I feel like it's hard because I feel like a lot of, um... My memories from that time are, like, muted, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, yeah. um... Because I feel like if this was this moment that I was supposed to be so excited and exhilarated and um, proud of myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I just had a baby in 2018 with, like, no medication by choice. Mm-hmm. And I, like, rocked it. Mm-hmm. And... I felt like somehow my body had failed me Mm. in all of this. Mm -hmm. That either my body had failed me or I had failed my body. Mm -hmm. That it was something that that I did wrong. Mm. That my body was supposed to be capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, This natural thing of having a baby that I screwed it up. Hmm. somehow even in spite of the fact that you did that you did naturally birth a baby yeah yeah okay and in spite of the fact that it wasn't just oh I had a baby and this just happened to happen the reason that it happened was because his head was turned slightly to the left like towards my left leg Mm -hmm. and his right hand was like up by his ear Mm -hmm. so his like elbow was Mm -hmm seeking out and it was like that's not my fault no it's the way he was positioned and it's not even his fault like we were both just trying to get him out Mm -hmm. and it just happened that way and really like my um my therapist at my last appointment because I told her I was like I feel like I'm getting to this point where I'm beginning to forgive my body Mm -hmm. that 
my body did what it needed to do. And while I didn't like it, Mm -hmm. we're okay again. Like, I healed. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and she was like, but instead of looking at it like that, like, a normal, like, your cervix stretches 10 centimeters, my body had to stretch more, more. 14, 15, however many. She's like, your body went above and beyond. Like, not only did it not fail, it, like, Exceeded. exceeded what it needed to do. To my detriment, but to protect my son, because if he would have gotten stuck Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have been able to push him out, Mm -hmm. he could have brain damage or he could have even died and we wouldn't have even known what the issue was. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, it was helpful to reframe it like, this wasn't something wrong with my body or this wasn't something that I did wrong or a way that my body failed. This happened because my body knew what it was doing and knew what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. And did it. And did it, right. So talk a little bit about... Um, so I have talked to more than one um, mama who has a birth story that didn't go the way she intended. Um, and some with some who required tons of intervention in the delivery is coming into it with the same amount of knowledge and preparation and all the things you did and all the things you do, we do right to prepare our bodies for birth. And there are times where for a series of circumstances, things don't go and there, and there have to be interventions, major ones, C-sections, things Mm -hmm. to save a baby. And all of those moms say the same thing. They talk about reconciling with a body that failed them, Mm -hmm. you know, because they've set an ideal in their head about how a body should behave, mm-hmm. ideally, 100% of the time. And we know, if we take it outside of that narrative of birth, we know that our bodies never behave 100% of the time the way they're supposed to be, behave, ideally. Because there's no such thing, actually. Yeah. There is a general standard, and then there are... And that's a wide... That is a wide road of general standard, right? Mm-hmm. And then even, even from there, there are deviations on each side, wide deviations on each side. So regardless of the fact that that's true... I also know that I've sat with enough moms who've who've had different stories with birth trauma to know that your mind isn't telling you that, though. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit specifically about what your mind did with this story in the months after Ellis's birth. Initially, initially, I feel like I accepted what happened because he was born... I actually cut the cord Mm -hmm. because the doctor asked Brandon if he wanted to, and Brandon said, nope. And so the doctor asked me, and I said, sure. Um, And uh, I was in... So I was in labor and delivery for over an hour while he, the doctor tried to stitch me up. Mm -hmm. About a half an hour in... Everyone in the room was more or less pleading with me to just let the nurses give me some pain medication. Mm -hmm. So, um, they I said okay, and um, they gave me fentanyl. Mm -hmm. And after hour hour plus hour and fifteen minutes or whatever, well hour and yeah, probably almost an hour and a half. The doctor said, 
we need to go to the OR. Um, I just need to be able to do this right. I need my lights, I need my tools. And what he didn't say, and is probably good, um, is that he had actually stitched me up a little bit um, crooked, if you will. Mm -hmm. There was leftover skin, mm -hmm. um, to which Sarah noticed and was like, yeah, you're going to have to redo that. Mm -hmm. um, so then we had to go to the OR. Um, I was in the OR, and actually... I remember apologizing to my labor and delivery nurse as I was crying, like, I'm so sorry that you have to do this. And she's like, it's, um, it's my job, you know, like, mm -hmm. don't apologize. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I just, I think in, in hindsight, I look back. So then I was given Demerol, I was given morphine and mm -hmm. I had a spinal block because I'd had, um, half a popsicle and some water, they wouldn't get do general, which I think looking back is probably good. Mm -hmm. um, and they catheterized me, which I did not know until months after when I got my um, medical records. And I think was that so, so important to you, the medical records piece to try to, to try to put the narrative to together? Try to, yeah, and okay. to try to like process because there were parts that I was like, I think I remember this, but I don't know if I remember this accurately. And I just wanted a chronological ordering okay. of things. Like, I was like, I think this happened, but I can't remember if it was before or after this. And mm -hmm. I just wanted, it was like in my mind, I just needed to know what actually happened. What happened, the stuff that I remember, and the stuff that maybe I was so out of it I didn't remember. Mm -hmm. Um,. And, and I think that, you know, the day, like the next day after Ellis was born, I was very much like, this is just part of our story. This is crazy. I've never been in the hospital before. I've never mm -hmm. had a baby before. Mm -hmm. I've never had fentanyl and all these like crazy painkiller drugs. Like I've never had a spinal block. I've never had to have like a surgical procedure. Like it was just all these first, it was just, it was more in my mind. It was like, Wow, like I guess this is just a series of firsts that I'm yeah. having right now. Mm -hmm. This is just our story. This is just how, um, this is just what happened. Yeah. And um, if anything, I was kind of, I almost framed the like tear as like, it makes me more of a badass. Like not only did I have a baby without drugs, but like all of this went down and like, yeah. I've been through all this, yes. you know, and then like three or four months after Ellis was born, it kind of, that started to fall apart and I started having, um, like flashbacks and intrusive thoughts, um, especially of the image when Ellis was first placed on my chest and him and us looking into each other's eyes. Um, I, pr I, which I know I, place this like these emotions on him that he was probably just like whoa you know like I'm not what the heck what just happened, happened? Like, yeah but I I it was like I would see this image of this happening and this memory and I would look into his eyes and his eyes would say why mom why do you have to leave me mm. and so I was kind of like from that point and talking to um my sister-in-law and our friend Sarah it was like okay like 
I need the gentle nudge. Like I need to probably go talk to someone because um, I'm not so accepting of my story anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel hard things and hard feelings about what happened and um, feeling like um, I'm ruined and like I did something wrong and my body failed me and um, I let Ellis down and um, that I should have been able to, you know, stay with him and mm. spend more time with him instead of like having to go to the OR and so that was a, lo a large part of it was the early separation from him. Yeah. yeah. Because you didn't get to see him for how long after that? Well, I held him for, he was on my chest for about a half an hour, but then once they gave me fentanyl, I was uh -huh. like, I could get weird and I didn't want to, since I wasn't going to potentially be in all of my faculties, I didn't want to be all loopy and stuff with a newborn baby on my chest. Um... And then, yeah, and then I didn't really get to hold him again until, I don't know, he was born 804, and it was probably midnight or after, 1230, 1 o'clock, mm -hmm. and so it just, it was not how I envisioned it going, you mm -hmm. know? I, I didn't have this, like, uber unrealistic expectation of, like, I'm going to have this wonderful natural birth. And I'm not going to tear at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be up and like, you know. Put together and let's walking. Let's just go for a stroll. Yeah, yeah. Through the hospital showing off our new babe. Like, yeah. I didn't have that, like, in my head mm -hmm. as this picture of what was going to happen. I was like, you know, I'm I'm probably going to tear. It's my first baby. Like, probably a second. I was thinking probably more like second degree, middle of the road, you know. Yeah. Not like... All of it, mm -hmm. all the bits, mm -hmm. like, um, and so I think then it became more, it was just more of, um, really like negative thoughts about myself a lot mm -hmm. of like, I did this wrong and mm -hmm. I messed up and something must be wrong with me and I ruined what was supposed to be this like great time and memory in our life and would you say that the tendency to be hard on yourself is a truth outside of your birth story? Oh totally. Yeah. I'm I'm a perfectionist like hardcore. Mm -hmm. And um even in all of my therapy, it's actually been um really the birth isn't necessarily the um it's, it's kind of been more of a catalyst in a way of like yeah. cutting. It's like the, it's been the action of like slicing the onion in half mm -hmm. and then, then been like, okay, but now we need to peel away these layers of like why I feel that I ruined things and why I feel like it was my fault when, like, why am I placing the blame with me when mm -hmm. I could blame anyone else? Yeah. You know, why is it me? And, um my perfectionism and my expectations and all of these things that have existed in my life that I haven't had as much cause to actually stop and look at until Ellis was born and then all of these things were like mm -hmm. brought more to the surface. Yeah, they like, bubbled up. I like the image of slicing the onion in half. That's a really great way to say it. I talk a lot about losing our layers, peeling back layers. I think that that's our work 
if I can summarize our work in the world, our first work is that. Um, I think one of the things to point out here that I think is really important for the audience to be aware of is that um, while the birth trauma, uh, first of all, birth trauma is real. Um, it's real in lots of different ways. This is how it presented in Amanda's uh, life. I also want to point out the fact that um, there's a lot of beauty in your story in that you had people surrounding you who um, were able to nudge you when because there was definitely an element of postpartum in mm. that. I mean, there's just no way around. If you look yeah. at the timing of that, the fact that your brain was, it was chemically, like things were taken along, the story stayed in a space that was healthy, mm. and then there's there's just a pattern of hormonal shift for women. Yeah. So um, I think there's some wisdom and understanding that we surround ourselves with people who can help us see when we can't. Mm. Um, and so it's beautiful that they were able to help you see. And so the steps you took, I want to I wanna make sure we don't leave this out. So what steps did you take once you were nudged to um, maybe take a look at this differently? I, um, well, I contacted a therapist and mm-hmm. filled out a lengthy pre-appointment yes. sheet which of course my like perfectionism reared its head in the like even in the intake oh even in the form the form of like I don't know what years I've been in counseling prior to this like I need to find out because I can't just be like yep I'm just gonna guess or like I have to know like the right ones like mm. And, um, that helps me ground the narrative too, also around your medical record, around knowing what happened. Yeah. Like I need to know, um, I'm sure part of it is just a controlling aspect too. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my need for control to be able to like understand things. Yeah. Um, it makes you feel like you have some power in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, yeah, and so I, I started going to um, a therapist that was recommended to me that um, predominantly deals with like women's issues, um, prenatal, postnatal things, um, postpartum depression, birth trauma, um, and I knew that I wanted to go to wanted to go to a woman and I wanted to go to someone that was like specific to pregnancy, birth, mm-hmm. postpartum related issues because I wanted to go to someone who would understand mm-hmm. um, and not just from a textbook. Mm-hmm. I took a class on it level, but a like I get it because to an extent, like I've been there also. Mm-hmm. And um and so I um started going to see her. We talked for a couple sessions just to kind of work through all of what happened and what was happening in me that um caused me to seek out her counseling and her guidance. And then um we did a couple sessions of EMDR. Which for which, people, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a really um, bodily form. It, it's based on the concept that our body keeps the score. Our body holds our trauma. Uh, and there are people who are specifically trained in EMDR. And it's a methodology that encourages the body through a set of stimulus 
to um, to physically release trauma, really, and reprocess the story. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I no, just wanted to fine. give a little clinical and explanation. And I, I love her. I love her. Um, explanation with the movie Inside Out Mm, mm -hmm. of how like you have these little like memory bubbles you know and they go to which now I can't remember what the place is called but there's that place where like store they're in storage yeah I think it is called storage yeah and and Uh she's like sometimes memories go there and they get stored in like not a great place or just a they get stored in the wrong place Mm -hmm. or um and so she's like, we basically through EMDR wanting to take that memory mm-hmm. and reprocess it to actually have it be different and understood in a different and mm-hmm. a healthier way. Yep. And um, I liked it because I feel like it was, while she played a role definitely in guiding me through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, for me, it was very similar to meditation in that it was like, just notice what your brain is doing and where it's going. Yeah. And it was, um, I liked it because I felt like it was just me doing it. It was like me, my brain was like helping itself heal Heal. and like reprocess this. And, um, yeah. And so we did that a couple sessions until it was like, that image and I still cry when I think about you know why did you have to leave me mom not because I still feel that when I see that image in my mind that that's like what I feel like he's saying but it's like I still remember how hard that was yeah and that feeling that way yeah I'm like I let you down and it was I feel like for me it was like the mommy guilt started almost immediately yeah like it didn't even it was like you're a mom now feel guilty about something like it was like <laughs> I have no break of like let me Joy. enjoy this yeah like yeah. <laughs> it was just like now you feel bad mm-hmm. you know and I was like uh um but then it was like there was still so much else it wasn't just like that moment And I feel like, too, my brain, which it, our brains do just naturally gravitate more to negative things, Mm -hmm. but it was like, I remember feeling so bad about my body, and I remember this one nurse, she was actually a surgical nurse, um that the doctor called in to assist when we were in labor and delivery to help. Um, and she, in hindsight, I realized, yes, she's a surgical nurse because she wasn't very gentle uh-huh. with the retractors. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, she's probably used to people, A, that are in the operating room that have been either are asleep or have Locked. a spinal mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or she's in a labor and delivery room and the mom has an epidural. And so mm-hmm. you don't need to be you gentle. You just do whatever you want. You just yeah. get in there. Yeah. And um, and I remember this moment when, when Brandon was standing like at the end, like at the foot of the bed, mm-hmm. um, holding Ellis. And the nurse was like, oh, you don't, you don't want to look down here. You, better, you shouldn't look down here. 
And it just, that simple, like I can look, I think back now and I'm like, she was just, she didn't know his level of comfort with blood. She didn't know how queasy he was. She didn't know how much he wanted to be involved. She didn't even know how much he was involved. Right. So, um, she was more just in a practical sense of like, probably thinking we don't need you to really pass Pass out out holding your kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like just steer clear of this area. Avert your gaze, good yeah. sir. Like, <laughs> but I, like, also looking back, heard her say, your wife's body is kind of disgusting and repulsive, yeah. and it's messed up right now. Yeah. And so you probably, these parts that you like, yeah. that are for your mutual pleasure, they're kind of in a bad way right now. Mm-hmm. So don't look, because yeah. she's damaged at the moment. And it's like, why do I think back? My mind goes to that moment more easily than it goes to the moment shortly after I'd had Ellis and was feeling so down on myself and was feeling really afraid because I knew it was like as soon as I knew I had a fourth degree tear, I was like, how is this going to affect me moving forward? And like, I want to have more kids. Like, Mm -hmm. am I going to be able to do this? And my labor and delivery nurse was like, you just like rocked this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not your fault. And she's like, and I, I have always wanted to have a natural birth and birth without pain medication when I have my babies. That's always something that I've thought of that I wanted to do, but I never knew that I could do it. And then I saw you do it. Mm. and now I know that I can and it was like that's like the craziest best like Mm -hmm. compliment ever and I'm like but I remember this other nurse being like don't look don't look Mm -hmm. instead of like you've inspired me that I can do this too right because you did it the good news Amanda is that you um I understand that one memory is still dominant but you've chosen to hold on to the other one as well yeah so that tells me that just give it time and one will be louder than the other because you are doing the work yeah. to heal from the inside out on this. Yeah. So therapy changed you, really. Yeah. I mean, it's saved you in lots of ways. Yeah, and it's been not just working through... I mean, it's been working through all of my... Because now it's like, now I have this baby, but like my body's completely different. Yeah. I have scars that, like, my body will never be mm-hmm. the same, mm-hmm. and that's okay, but how do I become more comfortable in my body again, like, yeah, now that it's different? Therapy will be really important there, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know this from my own experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> thank you for sharing all of that. You have such a beautiful way of... Um, being open and vulnerable and tapped into the way you feel. And so many of us have done um, sort of our own self-inflicted damage with our emotions. So we put a lot of distance between ourselves and our sadness. I've always loved how you don't because uh, sort of like that labor and delivery nurse who said, now that I've watched you do it, I can. Um, I think your husband's right. I think you do give people permission to cry. So thank you for that. It's a gift. Um, I want to wrap us up, but uh, how I do that is um, with every interview, 
I ask you to think about the women in the audience who are suffering or surviving something. And because um, we survive all sorts of things. And I want you to tell them what you think they need to know about themselves as they survive. Um, I think... I think it would be really easy for me to say, you're going to get through this Mm -hmm. and you're still going to be here on the other side of it. But I feel like that wasn't necessarily what I would have wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though that might be true and is true. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would say... It's okay to feel what you're feeling. Yeah. And feel it. Yeah. And don't don't rush it away. Mm. Because while I thought I was accepting of my story, mm-hmm. I I hadn't dealt with any of it. Mm-hmm. It was like this, like everything's fine, but it was still all of this was after the hormonal high mm-hmm. and I cr- and you know the hormonal crash of just getting back to normal levels like all of those feelings were still there mm-hmm. that I had thought I'd worked through that I'd never had worked through because mm-hmm. I didn't have to I didn't think they'd be an issue mm-hmm. and so I think I would just say feel what you're feeling mm-hmm. and be okay to feel what you're feeling even if it's not pleasant yeah. yeah, especially if it's not pleasant. That's perfect. And make sp- allow yourself to make space for the crap mm-hmm. and the suckiness and the grief and the frustration and the anger. Um, because it's only when we feel those things that we can process them and move on. Yeah, that's perfect. And I've heard... I've heard that our our emotions are. I think I saw it on Twitter actually. That <laughs> the source of all wisdom. I know. <laughs> um, that that the level that we allow ourselves to experience hard emotions is the same level that we can experience our quote unquote good and happy emotions. Yep. And so. Um, I think while I felt like my joy was muted after I had Ellis, I think that, you know, it really, in hindsight, if I once I allowed myself to feel what I was feeling, I can look back and think, those I was happier than I thought yeah. I actually was. But you were also busy muting the pain. And I was, yeah. And And I was physically muting the pain. Of course. At the same time. Yeah. So it was just all of that of, which I'm not saying, you know, don't refuse pain medication. It's wonderful. (laughs) You don't have to feel the physical, you know, like do what you can do what you need to do in that area. But, but the, um, the emotions as they come up. Um, don't try to mute that. Mm-hmm. You can't mute. You can't mute the pain without muting the joy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really wise and perfect. And um, and it makes me think about this realization that I've had that uh, 
that, that the emotions that we fear, what we fear is that they'll, really we fear that they'll kill us, that we won't survive them. Mm-hmm. And so the experience of letting an emotion, um, pleasant emotions move through us, we're far more likely to allow that. I think with pain, we are convinced it will kill us, and so we try to keep it out. But there is so much wisdom in that, and just let yourself feel it. It will move through you, and you will survive. You will still be here on the other mm-hmm. side. Because you'll you be, and you'll be different. Yeah, but yeah. you'll still be you. Yeah, probably be more you. Yeah, probably more you. Exactly, and you'll still be here. Thank you so much for your, for the gift of your story. I love you. Thanks for listening. Yeah. All right, friends, that's it for our time with Amanda. That part at the end where she says, um, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Don't rush it away. That landed with me really deeply. I don't care what your story is. That is advice for healing that applies to all of it. I think we are so quick to move away from our discomfort and she talks about that, that principle at the end there, the idea that we cannot mute our pain without muting our joy. Um, I know for myself that has been probably one of the, the most important lessons I've learned in this last couple of years. This idea that sitting with my discomfort will not kill me. In fact, it just exponentially expands my joy. So grateful for Amanda, for her story, for her willingness to just shed a little light on um, shifting the narrative away from birth that tells us that it was only successful, whatever that means, when it followed this perfect narrative arc. Amanda's story of resilience and courage uh, communicates a different truth to us, and it's a truth that's important because it applies to more of us than we're probably even aware of. So a huge thank you to Amanda and to you for sticking with us and spending time with me and with Amanda and with her story. If you loved today's interview, feel free to leave us a review. That's always important. It helps other people find us. You can also subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or at Podbean. You can follow along with anything that we do on Facebook and on Instagram. As always, I will leave some resources for survivors of birth trauma in the show notes. Thank you so much for lending your voice to our chorus of courage today as we create a world where women belong with substance and with strength. I'll see you all soon.